handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 11.31 a.m. on April 23rd, Sunday, the Lord's Day, in the year of the aforementioned Lord 2023. It's J.L.'s 44th birthday eve as I record this, so uh, a truly um, milestone uh, landmark holiday in the history of stand-up comedy and bitterness. Um, good stuff to talk about today. We'll try to keep it positive. We'll try to keep it happy on my last day as a 43 year old. Um, I'm, I'm finally street legal tomorrow and, uh, not sure what I'll be doing. I'm considering taking the day off from work, but that might yield too many good vibes and happiness. And I feel like a full day of doing menial legal work that makes me feel like, um, I serve no purpose on this earth. Um, might be the way that I should, uh, celebrate my birthday. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I've already been to 8.30 mass today, so, uh, fully holy vibes. I had a green tea there with a croissant. Um, and, uh, now I just have a glass of water, so I'm all green teed and holy spirited up. And deciding what I'm going to do the rest of the day, because there's a lot of basketball on, uh, a friend of mine told me that uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which I'm really annoyed that uh, it's very annoying to me when directors or writers put like their name in the title. Like the official title of the movie, I think, is Guy Ritchie's The Covenant instead of just The Covenant. Um, but my buddy who I trust most of the time, his judgment, uh, he sent me a text basically gushing about the movie like that. It's that's amazing. Uh, the text uh, was in some he said homie uh i i always make fun of his accent he's from south carolina originally you see i always say hey me so he writes it like he spells it like that when he writes to me he goes hey me the covenant that's all so that was his way of being like it's not just good like this is a you've got to go see this movie um so i might see that today uh, i'm still mulling purchasing a nintendo switch but i'm so behind in my uh playstation 4 gamery that um, that might be an, indul an unnecessary indulgence. 
But uh, this Friday, this Saturday, I'm at the Red Bank Comedy Festival. Uh, uh, you know, I, I never say never, but uh, you know, um, feels like it might be the end of a, of an era, and that era is uh, highly insignificant and useless, aka my comedy career. But uh, as you'll see, um, my calendar is uh, is 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 completely barren after uh, after Friday. Uh, excuse me, Saturday, Saturday, Red Bank, New Jersey. So if you're anywhere near Red Bank, New Jersey, I hope you can make it. It should be a very good show. Um, ticket link is on my website. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, the good news is for you guys, I, I, we can, we can eliminate the JL uselessly promotes shows. I have no intention of going to section of the podcast. So we might be able to really like, like, like the pitch clock in baseball. We might be able to speed up the righteous prick podcast with, with unnecessary things like Patreon promotion, show promotion, promotion of any kind. Um, so, you know, you, you could take a, a, an hour and five minute podcast and all of a sudden you're down to 35 minutes. And now, you know, maybe you start telling your friends like, hey, I used to listen to this comedian's podcast, but he spent a lot of time talking about his comedy career and wanting people to come out. And it was sort of a real drag. But now that he's not doing comedy anymore and promoting anything, um, you should really listen to it. And then you'll see my numbers like skyrocket to like a million listeners. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, I guess people just, the only thing they didn't like about my comedy career was my comedy. But now that I've killed that off, uh, my fan base has, has blown up. Uh, as far as making podcasts great again goes, I know several of you are listeners to that. Um, can't imagine doing that uh, much longer um, for a variety of reasons which, which uh, you know, uh, uh, can't be a mystery. But, you know, one of them is like when I've, you know, I'm pimping our sponsor. Um, I'm fucking pimping our sponsor, uh, FanDuel. You know, using my social media clout and my skills as an impersonator to basically make ads for our sponsor, and then I'm the only one uh, sharing them. Um which, which <laughs> that's fine, but maybe uh, in the very least, I guess I should be getting all the social media ad revenue, right? That would seem only fair. Um, just, yeah, yeah, you read between the lines on that, but uh, can't imagine doing that show much longer. I wanted to quit that show in February of 2021, or at least have the option to quit the show that, if you can imagine, was a long time ago. Um, but February 2021, uh, which was an important month, Excuse me, February 2022 was an important month in my career, obviously. That's when I was on Billions. That's when my first special, Half Blackface, was supposed to come out. So, obviously, those were going to be two big factors in promoting myself and maybe moving beyond the Trump stuff. Um, and because I have several thousand people who I speak to directly each week uh, that listen to Making Podcasts Great Again, um, and because social media algorithms were, 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 were not my friend, I thought, well, I can't abandon this fan base because I can directly market and speak to them each week. So I don't have to worry about them seeing a tweet or a Facebook post because they're listening to me right now when I say, get my special, see me on billions, blah, blah, blah. But obviously we all know that story and there's no need to relive it. But later today, I'll be watching my first edit of uh, first rough edit of Tallboy. And uh, I'm very excited to get both of these out, um, as excited as I'm capable of, which is barely any, because at least it's just my work and good stuff and 
Cookie agrees if you can hear her. She's upset. Um, she's tired of hearing about half blackface, but, um, you know, it, oh, God. Why does he goddamn have to do this? Hey, Cookie, come here. Come here, pup. Cookie Bear, come here. Cookie! Hey! Cookie, come here. Here she comes, very reluctantly, this slow trot, like she wasn't just dis disrespecting the podcast. Come in here with your hangdog expression, you old turd. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cookie, for your, for your interruption. Um, but bottom line is um, I look forward to ending Making Podcasts Great Again. Um, I sort of look forward to ending my comedy career. Um, I'm just, if I'm being honest, I'm just scared of what comes next. You, you dedicate your whole, I'm trying to get over, there's a few emotions, obviously. There's the humiliation. Um, and you can, anybody, you, it doesn't matter if somebody says, what do you have to be humiliated? Well, it's all you can think about at a time like this when you're a spiteful fuck like me is all the people who told you you wouldn't make it or who insulted your work or I don't know, to bring up one salient example right after you got booked on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, told that you should make comedy a hobby. That's the one that obviously burns deepest because that was from a relationship that was a complete fucking nightmare. Cookie, Cookie, any chance you can fucking chill out? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Jesus Christ. Um, so there's that aspect. And I know those aren't, I'm, I'm just, those aren't healthy. I'm not, this is not a claim of like, this is a good reason, but. Okay. Cookie, Cookie, of course, is using her most crinkliest toy as a pillow right now. So that's, that's helpful. Cooks, you had 30 toys to choose from, but you chose the one that sounds like someone stepping in dry leaves on a fall day. How about that? What a wordsmith. He paints depressing pictures with his words on the Righteous Prick podcast. But there's a humiliation factor. There's also a what have I just done with my life, with the best years of my life. And when I say best years, you know, I just mean think of all the bad decisions or financially imprudent decisions or just health decisions or mental decisions that were made to prioritize uh, and all, you know, and a, a failing career in an awful industry. Um, that's just forgetting. That's that's um, that has nothing to do with humiliation. That's just you know self reflection. Um, and then it's sort of how do you replace that? And maybe you don't want to replace that. Maybe, but you have to you have to find a way to be okay with it not being replaced. Like, well, what's it going to be like when you're not creating as much stuff or having people like you know a dozen people clap for you. <coughs> You know, those are those are those are things. Fortunately, I mean, silver lining. I never had the level of success like like a pro athlete or a rock star, where it's like you can't live without it. But it's still um, creating things out of whole cloth and having people appreciate them uh, is is a great feeling. Um, I'm going to be writing a lot of stuff over the next few years. Um, I think that will be good stuff, but you guys already know how I feel about my, my stand-up. So I think my stand-up and my impressions and all that shit is really good stuff too. Um, I think it will just be easier to deal with rejection when it's like, oh, well, I've only been a writer for like two years. So if people say I suck, maybe I do. But when you have enough 
when you have decades of experience and accolades and and skill accrued in in stand-up comedy and 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 all that kind of stuff that's a that's a lot more personal a lot harder to 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 deal with but the point is um red bank new jersey if you want to see me perform in red bank new jersey and i just i just genuinely don't know what my comedy career holds from this point on i did i think i told you this last week i sent an email to one club where i was just like uh this will be the last time i write to you 11 years is enough um Pittsburgh, uh, don't, and, and this is the, the irony is I don't even know if all my, like, I don't think a lot of my fans quote unquote, listen to this show. So like, I might be talking to the people who don't live in the places where I've performed, but, um, Pittsburgh, Utah, that I'm not coming, like, I'm not getting booked again. I mean, they haven't replied to my emails, but, um, you know, that Pittsburgh show I had to cancel. It isn't getting rebooked. They've ignored multiple emails and they never ignored me before. I think that's just their way of being like, yeah, he wasn't selling tickets when he had to cancel his gig. So um, this we got out. We, we made out like bandits because now we don't have to rebook him. We can book somebody who will sell tickets. So I might be speaking to nobody right now when I share this because it's like there's there's such a disconnect between, wait, who listens to this show and who listens to the other show? And who watches my videos? But who subscribes to my newsletter? And it's one of those things where you wish you could just tell people, like, if you're a fan of me, just follow me on these three platforms and subscribe to my newsletter and you will be, you will never miss anything. But even that stuff, even kind of clicking follow, subscribe, free, one-click kind of things is just uh, not what people are into these days. So whatever. Um, Let's talk about more fun stuff. Just two topics on the agenda today. One is Bono, and one is The Godfather 3. Now, The Righteous Girlfriend, my birthday present, was going to see Bono. I had read his book. Uh, for those of you who uh, are Patreon subscribers to JL Max Plus Prime, you know it. Well, let me clarify that. For those of you who are subscribers to the Patreon, JL Max Plus Prime, and watch the book reviews, and listen to this podcast. So basically, I'm talking to three of you. Uh, as you know, I read and reviewed Surrender by Bono um, uh, either the beginning of this year or the end of last year. I really enjoyed it. My joke with that book was sort of like, oh, that's what the fuck Bono was talking about in that song. Because a lot of his songs come off there. Like once you get explained, you're like, okay, this, this, it's like how an English teacher can explain to you sort of poetry or, or, or books like, oh, it's not just about this or he's actually speaking or she, she. Women can write things too, um, so you kind of get a fuller understanding of the of of what's behind it. But for the most part, you know, I know what like half of the songs Bono is singing about are about, and they just sound good. But he was doing kind of a this is kind of almost his Bruce Springsteen esque, but not nearly as fucking boring. His Bruce Springsteen um, kind of shtick, where it's like. I'm singing some songs, but I'm telling you the story behind the songs. It's kind of a one-man show. So he's got like a residency at the Beacon Theater. And Righteous Girlfriend got me tickets to those, uh, to, to one, for us. And we went. And before Bono, we went to Pizzeria Uno on the Upper West Side. So I wanted to keep it thematically correct. Uno, Bono, Tres, Catorze. Burn down, burn down, burn down, burn down, burn down. Vertigo. Anyway, guys, that was for the three YouTube fans out there listening to this podcast. What do you guys like, listeners? In the comments on on the Podomatic page, I'd love to, 
I'd love for some people who've never written in or anything or, or done anything, really. I don't even know if you exist or if you have a pulse or if your computer is just automatically downloading while your body decomposes. But um, I don't know what that was for. Anyway, we go to Uno. I have my Chicago Classic, which is fucking delicious. It's just chunks of tomato, chunks of sausage on a deep dish pizza. It's so good. Um, and so we went from Uno to Bono. Let me go in. And it was a particularly old white crowd, um, like really, really old and white. Um, I'm trying to think if if I saw anybody that wasn't white. I think I might have seen some Asians and possibly a Latina, but that's sometimes you can be like in that Filipina, that Filipina or Puerto Rican range where you have the 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 eyes of someone where like I remember. Um, my girlfriend in college was was half Asian, and several people thought she was Latina. And then my girlfriend, uh, when I was at the Bronx DA's office, was a Puerto Rican, and a lot of people thought she was half Asian. Um, so sometimes you you get like just a little mix of that that indigenous in the mix, and it can offer like kind of almost like a half Asian look. Uh, so so I I don't want to you know in case um, one of my nine listeners is is this person from the theater I don't want to assume somebody is Latina if they are partial Asian or Filipina vice and vice versa. So the point is, um, it it basically had the feel of an older Sebastian Maniscalco audience. So me and the righteous GF are sitting there. The only two tickets she could get for us were sitting as I call it uh, doggy style. Um, so she was in front of me. And I was behind her, um, and during the show, I would just pull her hair and say, you like that, like when it was a good song. No, kidding. But that's how we were sitting. And Bono was very Bono. Bono was peak Bono. Um, he's an incredibly talented, uh, gifted uh, singer, uh, songwriter. Um, but he moves, like I I'm, I'm just regret never being able to see him in his... In some ways, he's still in his prime. His voice is great. I, like I said, when I went to see them uh, in concert in Madison Square Garden in 2018, I, I was blown away by how great the show was. Um, I just and, and it makes you almost think, God, how, how great, if they were this great and sounded this great at like 58 years old or 60 years old, how good were they like in the Joshua Tree Octung baby years where it was like, yeah, they're, they're vibrant young rock superstars right now. Like, how good were the shows then? I'm sure they were damn good. Um, but if you're not a fan of... like, So when I say he was very... He was he was Bono. He was very Bono. If you like Bono, then you're going to be fine with it. And if you're somebody who's like, I'm a little annoyed with Bono, you'd hate this. He kind of has the moves of an uncle at a wedding, like a white uncle at a wedding who's kind of like carefree, but deep down maybe thinks he's got a little more moves or a lot more moves than he does. Um... But at the same time, when you're Bono, is, do you really think fans who've been fans of yours for, for 30, 20, 40 years are going to like go, uh, chill, Bono? No, they're just going to be like, yeah, Bono, do the weird lunge dance move. Yeah, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> so, so we're watching. And, and fortunately, I'd read the book, which was um, – you know, between the Irish accent and Bono's tendency to speak sometimes in self-important poetic verse, um, 
if I had not read the book, I probably would have had several more moments during the show going, what the fuck is he talking about? But I did read the book, so I was following along, enjoying it. Um, and I did learn something about showmanship in, in, in watching the show. It's never too late. It, it, my career is on its deathbed, but I'm still learning. Still learning. Life is a journey. It's also a highway. Tom Cochran. Um, don't come at me with that Rascal Flats version from Cars. What a... Pixar, you don't have the fucking money to just pay Tom Cochran for the original version of Life is a Highway, which is infinitely superior to the Rascal Flats redo. Anyway, guys, um, just another reason why the Cars franchise was a, a, a harbinger of doom for the once immaculate track record of Pixar. Uh, the He did it like at the end, he's talking about the death of his father. Now, the song about the death of his father was off of the album of the year Grammy winner from 2005, uh, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bond, a Bomb. And it's the third song, uh, Sometimes You Can't Make It on Your Own. That's the song about him and his father's relationship. It's an absolutely terrific song. Great song. Great. But after he's discussing the death of his father, I thought he was going to go into that. But instead, he went into Beautiful Day. And that's when I knew the show was going to end because he had made the pivot to like, well, let me give everybody like a rousing, a rousing finale. And I was just like, uh, because these people wouldn't have known what to do with. Sometimes you can't make it on your own. They would have been like, oh, oh, that that's the show. And I would have been like, oh, powerful ending. Uh, and these are you two fans. So maybe Bono has hashtag fans like me and he knows that. So he just delivers to them what they what they can digest. But. Throughout the show, and a thing I'm learning, my recent blog is about theater etiquette, so go read it. And by the way, on the Patreon, I reviewed the Thanksgiving play. I gave it sort of a, as the kids would say, a mid-review. I had very kind words for uh, the woman who played, Darcy Carden, the woman who plays Janet on The Good Place. Some might say potentially sexually harassing words, but I think they were good words about her and her, um, uh, her unexpected sex appeal in the Thanksgiving play. Um, but the, uh, I just thought the play was like, good. It, I felt it was trying very hard and definitely had some funny moments. And I think the righteous girlfriend laughed more than I did, but the New York times gave it a critics pick check mark. So I was like, look at me tougher to please than the New York times. So the people's critic, once again, patreon.com slash jail Just kidding. You guys, you can ignore that as usual. Um, but I, I, my recent blog, which is free, so if I have any readers in my fan base, uh, you can read it, and it costs you nothing. It's on the same website as everything else in my career. Uh, you can uh, you can read that. It's about theater etiquette and what I think it says potentially about just etiquette and culture in general in this country. Well, now obviously a Bono solo show is going to feature music and, and be a hybrid of sort of a theater rock show. So I get it. It's not like sitting for Hamlet. Um but even so, many people in this theater just didn't seem to know how to conduct themselves. First, there's the woman, the main culprit. Is the blonde woman past her prime, but who probably fucked like... If I had to guess who she fucked, we're not going, a, we're not going like Bon Jovi or anything like that. But she, she might have fucked like the bass player for Firehouse. In the mid-90s. Baby, don't treat me bad. Love of a life. I finally found the love of... Anyway. Of a lifetime. 
you know, anyway, you got to know your 90s rock, know what the fuck I'm talking about. But like, in other words, like a, a third tier band that at its peak, you know, had like a year as a second tier rock band. She might have fought, and, and kind of just been like, like she was just basically every time Bono played a song, slow song, fast song, she'd get up and start trying to do like, I don't know if she was trying to dance like the the belly dancer in Mysterious Ways video, but she was like, you know, hands up and like trying to do like a, like a belly dancer undulating hips kind of move. But then here's how you know she was a fucking performative C word. And by C word, I mean Caucasian cunt uh (laughs) she would do like a twist and look around and it was like it was such a blatant are you guys looking at me and i was like ma'am we are looking at you and no one wants to look at you i'm sure you had your day i'm sure you had your day where you were like you could fuck a bass player from a third tier rock band that day is no longer now you're just blocking the view of hard-working americans who've paid their tickets to see this man speak and perform so please sit down no one wants to see you dance and she danced for a lot of the show and it was it was as pathetic as it was annoying But what really got me, and I've said this and I'll say it again, you've been had, you've been took, you've been hoodwinked. No, Um, I've said it and I'll say it again. The woo, woo, is the bored cry of the stupid. And this show demonstrated that so much. There was a point where Bono was like talking about sectarian violence or something. And he was like, the Protestants and the Catholics. And then like, I guess that the word Catholics, people were like, a few people were like, woo! I was like, yeah, no, that, that wasn't a shout-out to the Catholics, or else I would have been up there, you know, saying praise his name. No, he was just referencing that in terms of like, hey, this violence led us to write this song. Now, I will say, the, the bad side of some of these songs was like, you know, when he starts going into Sunday Bloody Sunday, I want to hear the Larry Mullins drumming. <laughs> Like, I just love the opening to that song so much. So it's like, uh, I, I, this. some of the songs sound great, but like a song like Sunday, Bloody Sunday, I'm, I'm missing my favorite parts of the song. But anyway, a lot of wooing, it's silent or contemplative moments in the show. And it just made me think, wow, this is our problem. Like, some people can't endure the silence. Depeche Mode said it best, enjoy the silence. Um... But we have too many people, whether they're dumb or they're afraid to be alone with their own thoughts. Like, let me text. Let me listen to music. Let me listen to content. Let me walk. Let me talk. Let me look at my screen. Let me download. Let me watch. Let me multitask. Let me walk my child and dog while looking at a screen and having a phone call with my boss because I need constant interaction and content. I'm fucking brain dead. You have people who cannot, even at somebody else's show. They've got to like, woo! Like, the, the, the wooing is so dumb. It's such a, I'm, it's like saying, having a t-shirt pointing at yourself, saying, I'm with stupid. Um, the, of course, there are moments for that to be appropriate, but like, when it's just like, oh, Bono's talking, and oh, I'm, I'm it's either or not an idea of like, I don't want to like, think about these things, or um, is this my chance? Can I, can I like woo and hear myself in this quiet theater um but it just there's there's still i don't think people and i think blaming it on the pandemic and all that shit is ridiculous like 
if you're 50 years old, you didn't forget how to interact with people. You might be a little atrophied, but but I'm just I'm 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 just so stunned. And and we didn't even bring our phones to the theater because we're great people. But we didn't bring our phones because we had to like lock them up in those bags. And I, and I just said to RGF, I said, do we even need our phones? Like, do we need our phones for this? And I was like, let's leave them home. You printed out the tickets. Let's just go without the phones. And the amount of people, as soon as they got out of the theater, as soon, I mean, we're talking hundreds of people, take out the phone, selfie, selfie. Like, I was here, I was here, I was here. And, and I, what I liked about not having my phone is by the time we left the theater, that's all it took. It took like four hours without a phone for me to go, I'm good without a phone. Like, sure, like, if I'm telling you fully on, full honesty, my instincts are like, oh, I just thought of a good joke. I'd like to tweet that or I'd like to put that into my text so I have like I can jot it down when I get home. That's really the only thing I sort of was like, oh, I wish I could do that. Like, so it wasn't like I just need to look randomly. It was like I'd think of a joke and be like, oh, I'd like to share that or write that. But beyond that, by the time we left the theater, I was like, oh, man, I don't I don't feel any compulsion for my phone. And then you walk out and see like hundreds of people like quick, like like as if like as if their their phone just returned from summer camp or prison and they're throwing it a party like yeah, look where look where we are look where we are phone we're at a bono con no no that's not bono that's just the beacon awning but we were here we were here and now I'm going to post to social media and let everybody know we were here and it was just an interesting sort of thing to see but but people don't know how to act anymore um or I should say let me be honest there's enough people out there that don't know how to act that they can ruin the experience for everybody um, I think that's the real problem. Obviously, the majority of the theater sat, applauded, cheered, enjoyed in a completely adult, normal manner. But if you got like 40 people, 40 adults in a theater where the average ticket is like 250 bucks, you, what do you, like, you, you don't know how to, like, it's, it's, it's just, it, you know, it's like going to the movies or going to a play. You're just like, am I going to be able to just enjoy this? Is is everybody here just going to be a fucking normal person or, or no? Like, and that's, it's, I'm, I'm, I like to go to the theater. I like to go to all theaters. I like to go to movie theaters and play theaters and just enjoy spectacle of entertainment as it's intended to be absorbed. But like, it gets to a point where it's like, what, what are you even doing here? Like, like the cell phone is such a good tell where it's like, but why are you on your phone for like 30 minutes of an hour and 45 minute movie? Like, do you want to be here? You didn't have to come. Did anybody make you come to the movie? And like I said in the blog, if you read it, I said, I've already, I've already capitulated to the, to the fact that I go, okay, people are just going to use their cell phones. Unfortunately, they're like at movies. It's just going to happen. Can we, can we now do a thing where it's like, can you, can you at least dim your screen? You dim-witted piece of shit. Can you at least do that? Because there was somebody, I think it was, what movie was it? Might have been Dungeons and Dragons, which was great, by the way. But where it was just like, your your screen is on full brightness. Like, not it's not, it's not because the theater's dark. Your screen is like a fucking flashlight in my eyeball, dude. Why? Like, what, how do you not know? How's that not bothering your eyes? Are you that stupid? Are you that, like, dull? Are your senses that stunted? That, like, a super bright light. Like, like, like in other words, his phone was brighter than anybody keeps their phone in daylight. 
and his like so you're watching like a dark movie and then like oh no it was the pope was the pope sex no it was i think it was dungeons and dragons and then you're just like that one i know i can be sort of a unprincipled kind of pissed off like it's like that phone isn't bothering me but it bothers me that that person is violating rules of conduct at this theater i'll admit i have plenty of that in me but when it's actually like dude your phone is like actually distracting because it's it's brighter than even a normal phone and we're at a movie and i remember i said dim your screen and like the 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 black woman who was eating chicken wings next to me um like kind of went mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. and uh you know as i said on the patreon episode this is the month uh, after what i said about angel reese and caitlin clark on twitter it's a it's a it's a month of um, social media reparations for black women. So I'm going to count that. I'm going to count my solidarity with that black woman during a movie. as was, But that wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. Or was it? I think it was Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, so basically I'm testing very well with Game of Thrones black people this month. And uh, I'm counting that as uh, one of my, one of my three reparations that I owe, like forming a, a, a a bond against rude white people at the movie theater with a, a black woman eating very pungent chicken wings right next to me. So one done, two to go. Um, listen to the Patreon episode if you don't know what I'm talking about. Just kidding. You guys can ignore that. Um, and let's talk about, so that was Bono, Uno Bono. And, uh, and then we, uh, after I had watched The Offer by, uh, uh, on Paramount Plus, which I had initially critiqued because it began in such an such a disgusting way, like a punny, goofy, wink, wink kind of way that I was like, I can't watch this. And then I noticed it didn't have a great score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I said, okay, I think it probably doesn't get any better than that. But for some reason, I decided to revisit it several months ago, and I ended up loving it. I ended up loving that series, The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. It's a 10-part series on dramatized series on the making of the godfather i i it was so much fun and so good if you just get past like the first 10 minutes which are a little a lot cheesy so then i was like oh, you know let me buy the book i've never read the book let me buy it. so i bought the book and i just read it and it'll be on this uh this week's uh patreon book review along with christopher hitchens god is not great and just keep an eye out for the podcast i did with jeff cerulli coming out soon it's called your team's stuff and for the second half of it, we discuss um, like things on eBay about the Utah Jazz and whether I would buy them or not. So that's very lighthearted. But then we had a very, a very interesting, uh, pleasant conversation about about religion and, and Christopher Hitchens and all that um, before. And uh, so that was the other book. So this week's book review uh, episode on the Patreon is. Um, the Godfather and God is not great. And Ron Reagan Jr. offers a uh, review commentary as well, in addition to me. So, hey, look at that. I know you guys like the Ron Reagan Jr. So maybe this is the month you, you, you pony up the cash. Although it didn't work. My pitch of like, come join my live birthday chat on April. So tonight, uh, Sunday night is like the live birthday episode. And I think like two people joined. So I was like, okay, that was... That was Nice of them, thanks. But uh, I read the book, enjoyed the book, and then we did a rewatch of um, Godfather One, which is the best. Sorry, you can you can think Godfather Two is the best, and I won't I won't tear you down or critique you. But I actually don't think 
for me, it's it's not particularly close. And this is not to denigrate the quality of Godfather Two. I think the Godfather One is just it's just on a different level from basically any other movie ever. I think it's just that incredible. And God, it's so it's so great. Um, definitely in my top five movie. Also, not only would I have it as the greatest movie ever, but it would be in my top five favorite movies ever. Also, Godfather One. Um, although I will say Citizen Kane catches a lot of strays these days, but I actually liked it. I watched it, um, I think when HBO Max first launched, which was probably in 2019 or 2020, they had a bunch of classic movies. They still do. And I watched Citizen Kane, which was like my dad's favorite movie. And, uh, I thought Citizen Kane was great. And, and even from a narrative standpoint, it's, it's like considered the greatest movie or one of the greatest movies ever because of, not only does it tell a good story, but because of its technical advancements and innovations that Orson Welles did at 24 years old. Um, but I actually liked it. I was kind of like, I was surprised that I, I watched it from the perspective of like, let me do like, I'm going to homeschool myself in film school. But then I actually ended up really liking it. And what an end, like what a bittersweet, like not sweet. What a, what an end, like the ending of it just drained me like nobody's gonna ever know well that's the whole thing like when you see his stuff being destroyed we the viewers know what he was talking about but like the people in the movie will never know so i thought that was uh, but i actually thought it was a good movie but godfather to me is the greatest movie ever godfather 2 is is, is a step a large step down but a great movie and it's in its own right um so watch godfather 1 godfather 2 and then said oops <laughs> Oh, cookie, come on, you jerk off. And then, uh, oof, that fucking hurts my arm. Yeah, shoulder is still kind of, like, I gotta, I gotta keep using it, but this is, this is, like, my 2023 is gonna be shoulder rehab, so thank you, surgeon. Um, damn it. Uh, so we decided that on Paramount Plus, I'd seen this in 2020, the 30th anniversary of Godfather 3, had, mm, damn it, that hurts. Sorry, just to close the door. But I have to do that stuff. My PT guy says I got to use it more. So um, that was me closing the door with my dick. Um, no, with my arm. Just kidding. Uh, vulgar joke. Sometimes JL reaches for anything to try and make people he can't hear laugh, laugh. And not afraid of blah, blah, blah. There, Ron Reagan. He's tired from the book review. So that's why you're getting no Ron Reagan content. Not afraid of sending Ron Reagan to podcast hell. And, um, yeah. but they had done this like redo. And of course they always, Francis Ford Coppola is no idiot. He's like, I know everybody thinks Godfather three is a gigantic piece of shit that tarnished my legacy, the legacy of the Godfather films and should be, should be burning in hell. Um, even though it's not afraid because it's a movie. Not afraid of burning in hell. Bless you. And uh, then they released in the 30th anniversary. I remember it was available on like pay-per-view um, or on demand, we call it these days. Uh, the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. I was like, oh, this is the version that you really should have seen. This is the better version. We've listened to, you know, like the way Domino's was like. And Brian McGinnis, a uh, friend of mine, comedian now in North Carolina, has a very funny joke about this. I remember, once again, I'd make a good comedy coach because I remember he had done that bit at like an open mic. And I said, oh, you got to do that at Gotham like next week or whatever. And then he did it and it killed. 
he just had this bit about Domino's commercials several years ago, which were like, all right, we're Domino's and we've listened to you. You know, that's like kind of they're like, hey, we're keeping it real. We listen to you. And you said you didn't like the crust or the sauce or the toppings or the cheese we used or our delivery guys or the boxes. So we've listened. We've changed it up. And it's like, doesn't that mean you just hate everything about our fucking restaurant? And I feel like that's what Francis Ford Coppola was doing. He's like, we've listened to you. We know you think my daughter stinks. You think the movie sucks. You think it's a disgrace. You think it's a piece of shit. We've listened. So we've cut 10 minutes and re-edited a couple of things. I watched this fucking movie last night and I was so mad because I wanted it to be a little better. And I mean no disrespect to Andy Garcia, who had to take roles as Italians early in his career because nobody was doing anything for Latino actors. So his like his prime, handsome youth energy years, he's playing the Untouchables, Godfather 3. He's just playing like Italians in like these iconic Italian crime movies. And but yeah, he was he was hot shit. He was a, a good looking, good looking young guy. And he was playing Sonny's son. And I remember when I was a kid, when I was 11, and I saw that movie on the verge of 12. Um, I just thought, Oh, wow, he was great. And he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. But watching that movie again, first of all, I think it's the first movie where Pacino, everybody credits Scent of a Woman as his yelling movie. This is his first real official yelling movie. So if you hate the Pacino, the second half of Pacino's career, where he's just basically... I do like one line where Talia Shire, his sister, um, Connie, says, they will fear you now. And Pacino just goes, maybe they should fear you. And I enjoyed that. Other than that, it's a pretty fucking wretched movie still. Um, it's a really piece of shit movie. I mean, what I like is that, and of course this is something they were playing on, every fifth tier character that was in the, the original Godfathers, uh, Lucy Mancini, uh, Sonny's Sonny's maid of honor that she's he's banging during the wedding in Godfather One. That actress was playing her playing the character again eighteen years later. Uh, the guy who plays the non traitorous um, bodyguard in Sicily for Michael in the in the first one, he's back in this one. So uh, like all that was good. They were able to get. I mean, obviously, I would think if the Godfather Three is being made, it's like um, I haven't done anything in eighteen years. I'll pass. No, of course you say yes, but it was, it's a terrible movie. I think The Godfather 3 should be in the conversation for worst movie of all time. If you grade it on a curve, it could be argued that it's the worst movie of all time. I've heard The Exorcist 2 is atrocious and I've never seen it, but I think when, when, when factoring in worst movie of all time, I think if you adjust, like if we're doing advanced stats... There's there's the level of quality of a movie. Now, obviously, The Godfather 3 is a better movie than, like, Batman and Robin or Paul Blart Mall Cop. It's obviously better than those. But what are the expectations? Joel Schumacher had already destroyed the Batman franchise with Batman Forever, and he kind of just finished it off with, like, a money shot with Batman and Robin. Um, Paul Blart Mall Cop is an atrocious movie, but what 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 do you expect? It's a low-budget Kevin James movie, like, about a mall cop. Godfather 3 comes with elite, the most elite pedigree, perhaps, of any sequel in history. Two best pictures, two movies that are never not ranked in, like, film, historian, or critics' top ten, if not top five of all time. So it's coming from a lineage unparalleled in film history. 
you've got Al Pacino still kind of at the late stage of his prime. You've got Diane Keaton. You've got an upstart Andy Garcia. You, you've got, uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Joe Mantegna I feel bad for because, fine, you will not give, I'll take. Um, obviously, a, a Broadway actor of some accomplishment. Joe, If you're an Italian-American actor hitting his stride in the 80s, I'm pretty sure when they come to ask you to audition to play Joey Zaza, kind of the, like, a Mo Green meets Sonny Corleone type figure in Godfather 3, you drop everything and you say, this is, this is the dream. I'm Joe Mantegna. I, I just, I, 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 I have been shown no respect. So fine. If you will not give, I'll take. And I always thought, he should have said, I will take. But he said, I'll take. I don't like the rhythm. I will take, but, but whatever, you know, they made the choice. Um, and I feel bad for him because he obviously, I mean, when he got this role, thank you, Cookie. When he got this role, you, you take how I felt when my videos blew up in March and April of 2020. Take how I felt, multiply it by 100. Then when The Godfather 3 comes out and is an atrocious piece of dog shit, that's like lip sync videos blowing up times a billion. So I can I can sympathize with Joe Mantegna, who, who who rightfully believed his every acting dream was coming true at this moment. I'm going to go toe to toe with prime Al Pacino in the most iconic film franchise of all time. And with Christopher Columbus, Frank Sinatra and Joe DiMaggio, this is the Mount Rushmore of Italian American shit. So Obviously, you know, maybe they're chiseling Maniscalco's face right now to make a fifth for Italian Mount Rushmore. But you get what I'm saying. He's not terrible in it. But it's like, he, that's why I have sympathy for him. Because I felt like he came and gave like an A-minus performance, thinking that this was going to raise him to some kind of new iconic status. Total, honestly, totally reasonable expectation, given all that's in it. And boy, oh boy. Turns out, Joey, Joey M, that you're in, uh, you're in one of the most disappointing films of all time. Now, when I saw Godfather 3 at 11 years old, I was awed by it. I thought, oh my God, this is incredible. But even I knew that Sofia Coppola was an abomination. She was atrocious. Now, she's an accomplished filmmaker, but um, no, no. She is not her, as the kids would say, watching that performance. It is... It is a truly awful performance. Um, but, but to be fair, in hindsight, it's not her fault the movie sucks. She's a component. She's a strong component of that. But there's so much wrong with this movie. Um, I think Pacino is actually pretty good. Um, I think the writing of it is, is much weaker than the first two. Um, Andy Garcia and Joe Mantegna get points for effort. Um, but, but especially Garcia's, it's a little too transparent. Like you don't seem like Sonny Corleone, like, like, like James Caan in The Godfather had a bad temper. I know a bad temper. He had a bad temper. Vincenzo Mancini, AKA Vincent Corleone, as he's christened by, by Michael Corleone later in the movie, just seems like he has mental problems. 
Like he's like, he has no ability to control himself. Like Sonny could control himself until he could unleash his rage. Whereas Vincent is just like, I kill this guy right now. I'm like, why don't you come in my face? Why do you want to go? Like it's almost MacGruber-esque. It's almost MacGruber. You want to go? That's almost what Vincent Mancini is. But in MacGruber, it's hilarious. In Godfather 3, it's laughable. And that's a big difference between hilarious and laughable. Um, But when you're grading the worst movie of all time on a curve, I mean, this has to be a finalist, right? And feel free to comment with with, with other options. Um, We prefer the Podomatic page for, for keeping a running track for me in the comment section. But I think it has to be in the running for worst movie ever. If you factor in lineage, expectations, overall product, but then I didn't think the guy, I, I wanted to see the God, this new Godfather because I was like, okay, well, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, like Domino's Pizza, has listened to our complaints and maybe is trying to make, you know, this is the old, this is the definitive restored edition that was always should have been released. It's terrible. And it's actually more terrible because to me, the most poignant moment in the Godfather 3, the original Godfather 3, is at the end of the movie, spoiler, we see Michael Corleone aged in Sicily by himself, like sitting by himself in front of this large estate. And he's old. You can tell he's like probably, this is like, you know, whatever. He's now 80 or something. And then we see a fade, and then we see him slump in his chair and fall off dead. And it's actually quite moving, this, 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 this angry, vicious, sad life of Michael Corleone is ended. And it's ended in a, I say pathetic, not like you loser, but in a pathetic state, as we many of us will go, if not all of us. Like, by himself, all the wealth, all the, you know, he dies by himself. His daughter has been murdered. Um, his, his ex-wife wants nothing to do with him, and he's just, he's alone. And dead. And it's pathetic in the, in the kind of descriptive sense, not in the insulting sense. This movie eliminates that and instead ends with some nonsensical Sicilian quote about old age. And I was like, Francis Ford Coppola, you know what FFC sounds like? If you say it like a word, it sounds like fuck. Fuck. And that's what I say to you for this movie. What in God's name did you do? You actually raised expectations that maybe, just maybe... You were going to make an improvement. It's worse. The Godfather Coda, the death of my... You don't even show the death of Michael Corleone in the movie you've renamed The Death of Michael Corleone. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Godfather Coda, a.k.a. Godfather 3 Remix, is the worst movie of all time. On, uh, when you factor in all relevant data. It's the worst movie of all time. Um, so Godfather 1, greatest movie of all time. Godfather 2, elite all-time classic. Godfather 3, not good. Godfather Coda, worst movie of all time. Now, I wish Godfather Coda was about if all the kids were hearing impaired and had to use sign language. So like a hot, like what if he did a a mashup, like a Linkin Park Jay-Z mashup, but instead it was like, we took the cast of the Oscar-winning Apple movie, Coda, and put them in The Godfather, and now we've got something. <laughs> um, and I was thinking to myself, who would be, who would be like, who, what would we do for like, if we remade The Godfather, which nobody should ever do ever, ever, 
But if they remade The Godfather today, I feel like I could get Luca Brazzi. Like I could be, I mean, they probably, that's the problem. They probably cast like Lou Ferrigno. Well, Lou Ferrigno is in, oh wait, he is in The Offer, I think. As Is he like Luca Brazzi in The Offer? He is in The Offer in some capacity, maybe as a mobster. But no, they they make some six, even though it'd be in the 1940s, they make like some six, eight WWE bodybuilder Luca Brazzi. But to be fair, I'd be the good choice for Luca Brazzi, especially now. You know, like I don't look like I've worked out in ages because I haven't. So I, I just look kind of naturally big and angry. I think Bobby Cannavale is a lock for Sonny Corleone. Um, I think Patrick Wilson could make a good Tom Hagen, the guy from The Conjuring. Uh, went on two dates with a, with his cousin back in the day. Uh, who else? Um... The question for me is who would play Michael Corleone? Uh, who would play Vito Corleone? I mean, the obvious, like, funny choice would be like, oh, Al Pacino as Vito Corleone. But no, I think Brando, that's the biggest, that's that's the toughest one to replace, I think. Um, I think that would be the toughest one to replace because who is the, who is the actor who could, who could embody Vito Corleone? The way Marlon Brand, I think that's your problem. Is that as great as Pacino is, as great as as great as James Caan was, Robert Duvall, the, everybody, as great as they all are, I think Marlon Brando is is the tough, the tough one to replace. Um, you know who would play who would play Pacino's role? Who's like a good? I said like I was just trying to think of like a who's a young actor who could play. You know, and I was like, uh, Timothy Chalamet, not that he gives off any like Michael Corleone vibes, but he is a good actor and he's, he's probably like in the right range. Um, you know, he'd be playing the younger brother. He's like, what? But he's too young. Like Timothy Chalamet's in his twenties. Bobby Cannavale is like two years older than me. So I don't, you couldn't have that big an age gap. Um, I don't know. But, um, the point is Godfather Coda. Worst movie ever. Godfather mashup with Apple TV's Coda. Best comedy sketch ever. I also, just to give you guys one last little tidbit, one thing I plan on writing. After seeing Air and then discussing um, jazz memorabilia with Jeff on his podcast, I said, you know what would be a funny sketch for me to write? Um, gear. Now, what would Gear be? It would be the story of how L.A. Gear recruited Carl Malone to be their flagship basketball shoe. Um, I think that would be funny. You'd just have me in the Ben Affleck role going, we're making over 10 grand a year on our women's footwear. We're killing it. <laughs> but we want to get into basketball. And then, you know, the Sonny Vaccaro character at LA Gear, who would probably be what? Maybe, like, instead of Sonny Vaccaro, it'd just be like some woman who you know, is married, like a white woman who's married to a black guy and she's got a thing for Carl Malone, like just a big, muscular, tall black guy. And so she like recruits Carl Malone and she's like, I'm a white woman who wears LA gear. You would be an icon in our brand. And then, you know, you just get some, some gigantic black dude to play Carl Malone, like country accent. And then they, they design the shoe and it's basically just a women's shoe, but then they do a black version, which is like a little more masculine looking. Those are the ones I had. And then at the end of the sketch, it's like, uh, 
you know, you have Karl Malone's mom. Like, an L.A. gear is a woman's shoe until my son puts it on. And then at the end of the sketch, you see, like, a, a young girl walk in. And they go, oh, is this your, do- is this your, is this your daughter? And, Car- and the Karl Malone character speaks for the first time and goes, that's my girlfriend. And then, like, it just says, you know, we go to black, <laughs> fade to black, and it says in theaters this fall. <laughs> oh, oh, don't ever say I can't make fun of my, my role models as a child. Um, so, <laughs> so maybe I'll write that and it'll go nowhere unless I just, like, kidnap Rod and say, you will send this to Bobani Jones. Um, <laughs> that's when you know I've lost it. When I kidnap, when I hold hostage, like my only allies in my entire comedy career and go, I don't want it to come to this, but I'm desperate. I've got no gigs left. The algorithm is raping me. You've got to help me. Dale, Bomani does not take submissions like this. You make him see that this is good. I know he hates Carl Malone, and I know he hates Hoosiers. It's almost like he was trying to insult everything about basketball that I loved. (laughs) So anyway, gear coming to a theater near you soon. So thanks for listening, guys. That's been this week's episode of the Righteous Prey Podcast. Not afraid of the bamboo. Um, if you're bored, if you got money, if you want to celebrate my birthday in a more tra- in a traditional way, join my Patreon. Okay, that is where Tallboy will make its debut. So you might as well join now. Just build up some goodwill with me. But Tallboy, I'm still hoping for a June second release. Um, I don't know if we can make that, but, but hopefully we can. And then half black face is just, um, in a dungeon somewhere, like having cigarettes put out on its chest. I, I don't know what's happening with, with half black face. Um, I'm, I'm about to ask the agent and the makers of it to, to like, I need proof of life at this point. Like send me half black face with a copy of today's paper to prove that it's not being raped to death. Can you do that? So glad we're working together on this. What a partnership. So thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your week. If you haven't give this five stars on Apple podcasts, we finally crossed the 200 uh, ratings and review threshold. So that only took uh, three years. So thank you for that. Much, much, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. So, um, yeah, justice was not served to my podcast, but better late than never. I don't know what I'm talking about. Have a great week. Happy birthday to me. See you next Tuesday.